Welcome to the Corporate Catholic Podcast, where we inspire the joyful hustle by integrating your relationship with God into the nine to five. Join us as we flip the script on faith and work. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This week we have a very special guest, which is Allison and I's friend, Caleb. So we're really hitting it hard with these male guests. I think this is like three in a row. This is the third in a row, yeah. Which is kind of insane. We're recording live from Seattle, which is our first... Not live, but... (laughs) (laughs) We're recording from Seattle, and we're very excited to continue the conversation about finances this week. So last week we kicked it off with just some general, you know, finances and faith, how the two interact, some, you know, your relationship with money and talking about detachment from money. And this week we're going to dive even deeper to that. Really ask Caleb some hard questions about finances and how it is incorporated with his faith. And we're super excited. So welcome, Caleb. I love hard questions. (laughs) So why don't you just dive in for a second and to who you are, you know, where you grew up, what your job and faith story is, and give everyone a little bit of background. Sounds great. Hi, everybody. My name's Caleb. Pleasure to meet y'all. I grew up probably 45 minutes east of Seattle in what is the Microsoft center of the world in Redmond, Washington. Uh, went to Gonzaga University, studied math, computer science, and finance. So uh, have a little bit of baccalaureate experience in finance um, from an official point of view. Uh, currently live in downtown Seattle, and I work with Claire and Allison. My faith story has really kind of always been a part of my life. My family has always been going to church, being involved with church. I grew up a non-denominational Christian, um, always going to vacation Bible school in the summers. Uh, I would say the majority of my friends growing up were related to my parents' Bible study kids as well. So yeah, faith has always been a pretty important part of my life. And then Gonzaga is a Jesuit university, so it was nice to have that be baked into the classes that I took and then also the kind of people that it drew to going there. So I would say I made a lot of great friends there, uh, and faith was always a popular topic of conversation at Gonzaga too. All right. Well, yeah, we're excited to be here. It's been a fun weekend. Um, it's kind of like a first business trip for Catholic. <laughs> yeah, I because a large part of the reason trip. we came here was obviously to visit them, but also to record this podcast. So, if only you had income that you could count this against with expenses. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the topic of finance. <laughs> Corporate sponsors. You can Hit help us get there in the future. Mm. Yeah. He can be our financial advisor, but disclaimer, he's not a financial <laughs> advisor, so <laughs> we can throw that in now. All right, so we kind of structured this episode in a method inspired by Caleb, actually. <laughs> he has this method that he likes to catch up with people, and it originated as the three G's, and we're going to kind of put a twist on that, and this episode is going to be the three F's. So it's going to be fun, finances and faith. But yeah, maybe just tell us a little bit about the three Gs. Where did that come about? 
Yeah, that really came about at Gonzaga. So I'll give a shout out, cite my sources. Uh, my good buddy Michael came up with a three G's with a lot of his friends in high school as a way to get really intentional about conversations because I feel like a lot of times we just say, oh, how you doing? I'm fine, that kind of stuff. Um, and fine encapsulates pretty much every area on the spectrum of good to bad. Uh, and so he and I really cared about having those conversations and making that space. So he showed up freshman year. He and I became really quick friends. And in a lot of the late night talks that we had with new people or old friends, we would structure our, the beginnings of our conversations around the three Gs, which at school was God, grades, and girls, uh, or guys, <laughs> depending on your predisposition. And so, yeah, I still love to use that. I use it in one-on-ones at work with people I'm really close with uh, or friends from school, friends from high school, all that stuff. I feel like it's a really good way to open up those kind of conversations about three of the pretty big areas in people's lives, especially when they're in school. Uh, but obviously, when you when you graduate, it's a sad time. One of those like grades no longer applies. So uh, I actually switched it to the three Fs, which was your faith, firm, and females or fellas <laughs> um and hey, so give credit where credit's due i thought of that one claire came up with fellas <laughs> that's true yeah so i love using it as a framework to talk about where people are at yeah but we're not going to be talking about fellas or <laughs> females today so we had to switch it up a little bit <laughs> so our three f's today are going to be fun finances and then faith so Let's start out with fun because I don't know about you guys, but I've had a lot of fun this weekend in Seattle. So let's do a little weekend recap. Claire, do you want to start with our little touristy day in Seattle? Yeah. Well, okay. First, before the weekend, I came, I was in Salt Lake City for work and that was just so incredible. I have never seen the mountains. So I was honestly ever. No. I've never seen mountains, really. I mean, like like this. Wow. So I was just, like, in awe. I mean, even just on the plane, I was, like, got the window seat. It was awesome. And Salt Lake just really feels like you're in the mountains the whole time. And we took a, la- or a hike on one of the days after work with my coworkers, and it was just – I was just I, – I, like, really love being in nature. So um, I, that was my favorite part of the whole week. Then came to Seattle, got to see our Seattle office, which was fun. And then we did a whole touristy day on Friday. And we saw a lot. Yeah, we kind of got stranded for a bit of it. Um, We took a ferry to Bainbridge Island, and that was super cool, kind of exploring that area. And then got a little bit stuck there for a while because the ferries were behind. Um, But yeah, we saw the Space Needle. We went to the Chihuly Garden Glass Museum, and of course, Pike's Place had a lot of good food there, and it was a jam-packed day, but... I would say the highlight of the weekend was definitely pickleball, though. Oh my gosh, yeah. (laughs) So, Caleb over here taught us how to play pickleball. How was that experience? How'd we do? (laughs) Pretty good. Uh, I had lower expectations, actually. Come on, be honest. No, for real. (laughs) <laughs> Y'all ended up being far better than a lot of the other people that I've taught for their first time. So Are you just saying Claps that? to you. No, <laughs> not for real. But we asked him what percentage of his full capacity. Well, because <laughs> at the, because yeah. I thought he was playing for real. <laughs> then at the end, he like 
looks at his partner and he's like, should I like step it up? And then he starts like throwing curveballs mm-hmm. out of nowhere. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, where did this come from? And then at the end, I'm like, all right, like how much were you actually, how, how what percentage of your skill were you using? And Caleb's like, 10%. <laughs> That's so, I felt humiliated. That was, yeah, absolutely humiliating. <laughs> but then you said by the end, we got up to 45%. So some improvement there. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond. <laughs> feel very called out. <laughs> no, but nobody wants to just play with somebody who's like way better than them and just get destroyed every single game <laughs> on their first day. Like I wanted you all to love pickleball. And the place that you actually got stuck on the ferry is the birthplace of pickleball. And so Seattle's mm-hmm. having a pickleball moment. Um, everybody out here is obsessed with it. So I wanted you all to figure out why the heck I talk about it so much. I yeah. am obsessed. I knew I was going to be obsessed. Like, I knew this was going to be my game. Yeah. It was so fun. Like, e- each game we ended, I was like, I want to play another one. Like, let's just do one more. And then it was like, no, it's one I, more. Yeah. It's because I'm, like, kind of slow in general. <laughs> I've always been slow in, like, my sports. And this is the sport for me. It's like, pick or tennis is way too fast. This is, like, a little bit slower. And I, I knew I was going to like it. The pitch for pickleball is you play with a wiffle ball, so that really slows a lot of things down. And then uh, agility, like what Claire's saying, it doesn't matter as much as a lot of people think when they first see it. Like I've played with actually Michael, who's my good friend. He and I play a lot, and we've been absolutely thrashed by a couple of 65-year-old ladies. <laughs> um, so all ages, uh, everybody's welcome, and everybody can be successful at pickleball. So that's my pitch. Yeah. Get on the pickleball train. Yeah, and Caleb was a great coach. He was giving us feedback real time, you know, on the form and and everything. Telling me to stop going for the ball. Yeah, (laughs) well, because at the beginning, I kept hitting it, like, way out, and Claire would just, like, go for those, and he kept being like, leave it! And she'd (laughs) still hit it. When the ball was coming at me, like, I'm going to go get it. Like, it worked out great for me, because I was like, that's going way out. And then, like... We'd still get the point because she'd try to go for it. <laughs> uh, yeah. We made progress, though. That's all that matters. Honestly, yeah. Highlight of the weekend right there was pickleball, for yeah, sure. So I want to get a set now. For sure. And we got to find some places in Chicago so that when Caleb visits, we can... Oh, we'll destroy him. We can show He'll him how much He'll be asking me improved. what percentage I was using. <laughs> yeah. How competitive much? Jeez. <laughs> So, yeah. Okay, and then we went to, like, a baseball game and hung out and got to go to the farmer's market and got to go to a cute mass this weekend. And, yeah, it was yeah. great. And now we leave today, which so sad. Yeah. Loved Seattle. Loving the West. So that was the fun. Um, our next little topic is going to be the finances part. So um, we kind of want to ask Caleb some questions about – kind of just overall like where his interest in finance started so yeah maybe let's start there where would you say your interest in finance first began I know you said you majored in finance but where did that start it was a minor in finance I didn't actually say that so I don't blame you for not knowing it but um I don't really know it feels like something some switch was flipped and I was like dang this is a whole new world where people are making a ton of money and like I want to know how all that works um it probably started with my family so I think both my mom's parents and my dad's parents were not terribly financially responsible 
on my dad's side of the family, there was a lot of, and especially with that generation, that was kind of when credit was first created. And so the idea of credit being uh, buy now, pay later was not really enforced in society or people didn't really fully understand it. They just thought it was free money. So um, on my dad's side of the family, there was a lot of like credit issues where they would just spend well outside of their means and then ended up in like debt and stuff like that. Um, and then on my mom's side of the family, my grandpa over there is like a serial entrepreneur uh, and just started business after business after business, not doing a ton of market research um, or knowing what could be successful or stuff like that. And so I wanted to make sure that I was learning from those lessons and um, have always really respected my dad and my family's approach to finances. So I was like, I need to make sure that I learn how to do this because this is how we interact with the world. Like money is the quote unquote currency that everybody in the world exchanges that in math. So that's why I majored in those. And what like age were you like getting more into that? Um, it was probably probably right around middle school. Um, I think for one of my birthdays, my dad gave me like $100 at some point. And he said, uh, you have to buy a stock with this, um, like just get started investing in something. And so I did. And from there on out, it was I mean, I probably bought something awful. I think, honestly, I probably bought GoPro, which was for a little while just all the rage, and then it ended up kind of imploding, and now it's just kind of limping along. But uh, I wanted to make sure that in the future I made money off of those interactions and buying stock and stuff instead of losing money on GoPro. (laughs) Rest in peace. But even as a kid, would you say you were more of a saver or spender? For sure. I was like tight with the money i was a penny pincher um and my sisters would so cavalierly just spend money on like paper goods and like craft supplies and so we had allowances growing up and we were responsible for buying like all of our own clothes all of that stuff like within our allowance stuff and so my sisters would just blow through theirs so quickly and then i would just like not spend mine so i would still be wearing the cargo shorts from four years prior or something like that because i was like i'm not buying new clothes like, these do the job <laughs> um so i was always really like tight with that and yeah money and finances has just i mean as you get older you start to have jobs and then you have more and more money so you're trying to figure out how can i keep this money use this money spend it on what i care about and also steward it in a good way yeah so do you feel like you learned a lot through your minor in finance or do you feel like more of what you learned has been through experience and just kind of your own personal interest and learning stuff on your own a little bit of both uh so probably 50 50 uh definitely learned a lot in finance classes at school that was pretty fantastic gonzaga has access to a bunch of different financial systems that cost a ton of money but because they're an education um, educational organization they get it for super cheap so got a lot of access to those that, which I would never be able to afford unless I went and worked on Wall Street um, and the then the institution would pay for it but so that was pretty fantastic getting access to those but also just kind of investing on the side uh, doing my own research reading self-taught so 50-50 yeah a lot of the official knowledge that I have probably came from school but a lot of the almost street smarts of finance I kind of learned through painful slash expensive lessons or uh, reading watching videos stuff like that so you said that in middle school is kind of when you bought your first stock so 
how has you know your portfolio kind of like advanced from there or like where what did that one stock like lead to and what was that journey till now uh probably traded for a little while inside my dad's account essentially just telling him like how to deploy the money that he had given me in there uh, eventually because you have to be a certain age to have investment portfolios so eventually hit that age probably opened my own and it's really just been a journey of my interests. so like honestly one of the things that I learned pretty early on and one of the first things my dad told me about investing was investing companies that have products that you believe in so I very distinctly remember at one point where he was I was asking him oh what should I buy what should I buy which is always a really difficult question but he was saying oh think about the season that we're coming into so like it's holiday season you think target's going to do well um or is there a product that you believe in i believed in gopro it ended up being a poor choice but yeah so it's been a growth and then also as i continue to learn more learning about the values of diversification buying different stocks in different areas um, etfs mutual funds options too which are dangerous but uh, different sort of instruments that you can use to make money as well as different areas that you spend your money so Uh, learning about budgeting learning about insurance learning about all that kind of stuff that's been a big part of the journey that I've been on since I first kind of learned about it yeah and I'm curious too about specifically the transition from college to working like that's something we talked about I think was just having a real job for the first time and like actually making money so do you feel like your perspective on money has shifted now that you're actually working and making money and and have and more expenses, I guess, because yeah. now, even in college, like, you know, you're supporting yourself, but maybe not to the extent that you are now. So. Yeah. They have definitely changed a lot. I mean, when you have a full-time career, you're not making lifeguard money anymore, and you're not making side money or anything like that. Like this is real money that's reported to the IRS every single time. And yeah, like you said, expenses get real. And my parents are of the firm belief that once you graduate school, it's time to be self-sufficient. So um, they, like I have my own health insurance, which you don't technically have to have until you're 26. So they like kicked me off of that uh, in in the most loving way possible. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, I like they made me get my own cell phone plan, which I'm still mad about because I pay like seventy dollars a month because there's only one line on mine, whereas my family each pays like thirty dollars a month because there's four lines on theirs. And I was like, why would I not just be on your cell phone plan? <laughs> They're like, well, what if you want to upgrade your phone? We have to like fly up to Seattle and like come help you in the Verizon store. I'm like, <laughs> Please, like I will give you extra money. That's like the difference between. Um, and they didn't go for it. So, yeah, expenses get real. You're paying your own rent. Um, and so the journey for me has really been in college. I didn't really have an official budget. It was like, okay, live it within your means. If you have an income, you're able to like eat out every so often and stuff like that. But now I have more official methods of tracking what's coming into my bank account, what's going out of my bank account, where am I saving money for the future, where am I spending money, all that kind of stuff. So it's just become more official. And it's on a larger scale because obviously there's more money coming in and more money going out. Yeah. And like maybe just how has your relationship with money changed? Like, were you the kid that was like, I want to get a job that's going to let me be rich and like make a lot of money? Or 
has money kind of been a motivator for you or would you say you were less driven by that? I mean, it's still an ongoing conversation and a battle, uh, even now, for sure. I grew up in an area that was a very high-tech bubble, and so even, honestly, being in elementary school, we were pushed into STEM, so science, technology, engineering, and math, and very, very tactile degrees like that where it's pretty much guaranteed that you're going to be coming out of school and making a a crap ton of money. And, yeah, I, I have a lot of hobbies, which in all honesty are like decently expensive like skiing is not a cheap sport um and like that's one of my favorite things to do in the whole wide world um so it's definitely always an ongoing conversation of how do i balance i would love to have the money to have all these toys and like go on vacations to these amazing areas and like have super cool houses or condos or cabins in the mountains or anything like that but also at the same time realizing that money is a temporary thing and in all honesty, like one of the main things that when God talks about money, he talks about on earth, we're just stewards of the money. And in a Macklemore song, he says, you can't take a U-Haul when you go, um, which I think is so true. Like, <laughs> Wait, we, you said that? And I was like, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you accumulate all these assets and materialism is real, especially in culture today. And, but then once you die, it doesn't matter at all. Like we talk about, treasures on earth and treasures in heaven and they're like completely disparate so mm-hmm. it's an ongoing conversation how do i do things that are increasing the kingdom of god on earth um but also at the same time i have this kind of like drive and ambition and is that even bad like is it bad to be ambitious and stuff like that so it's a lot of discernment honestly and like discerning and hearing god's voice yeah and asking and listening i think that's the biggest thing that i'm learning about right now is uh, how do I give up my finances to God and tell him to deploy them where he needs? And how do I listen and actually respond? So when he says, like, sell your bike uh, and give it to this charity that you feel like called to, like, can I make sure that I have my priorities straight so that I'm actually doing that when I feel called to do so? So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's an ongoing battle. And it's definitely something that uh, is really tough. And I think about it a lot. Yeah, and you briefly mentioned kind of how the world views money so like what is your view on the world's relationship to money and how is your view different like do you agree do you disagree what's your perspective on that yeah it's a big question for sure I think um, I'm actually reading this book it's called money possessions in eternity it's got some pretty fantastic thoughts on all of this stuff but one really poignant quote from it was Uh, society's beliefs are radically opposed to God's belief on money and honestly just like beliefs in general Um, there we have a very affluent society Uh, we have never experienced more income inequality than we have right now like so much of the money in the United States is tied up with like the upper one percent and then like the population of that is tiny compared to the people who are comprised the rest of the 99 percent Yeah, and so there's this term, it's called affluenza, which is the idea that even though you have significantly more than most of the rest of the world, like you still continue to want more and more and more. Uh, And that's totally related to materialism and uh, the idea that possessions are the most valuable, like some of the most valuable things that you can have, like houses and cars and really impressive jobs that bring in a lot of uh, income, restricted stock units, that kind of stuff. And like the status that comes along with all of those, I think that's 
wildly valued by society and i think god sees it in a completely different light um and so it's hard to live in a society like i was saying that money is the currency and it's like one of the biggest ways that we communicate with each other is money so it's hard to live in that society uh and be a christian following the rules that are kind of outlined in the bible uh while still actually like living on earth and living in the world that is money so money focused so money is like one of the most interesting topics that i love to talk about especially because if you think about the concept of money it's essentially uh exchanging service or goods so like you do work and you gain money and that's kind of the intermediary that you have until you buy food with that money so in essence like through logic you're essentially working for food and money's just kind of there so money's not inherently good or bad by itself uh i think the way that people idolize money and do stuff like that uh can get really really dangerous so i think that's the biggest thing the biggest difference between how the world sees money versus how god sees money yeah, when we asked Caleb to do this podcast, we were kind of chit-chatting about what we might talk about. And what were we doing? Chit-chatting, Allison. <laughs> Allison's making fun of me again. Um, and I think I was kind of throwing some questions at Caleb, and I was like, you know, like, why are you investing? Like, why are we, like, making money? Like, what's the point? Because I think there's a lot of, you know, evidence against, like, accumulating wealth from a Christian perspective and that type of thing. So since that conversation, Caleb was kind of like reflected on that and thought about kind of just like a financial rule of life or just like kind of rules of engagement of how he wants like his relationship with money to to be. And that's something that he has like prayed about and decided on uh, with God. So I would love for you to talk about that, maybe just what you took into consideration or some of your rules and how that's changed your perspective on your finances. Yeah, and I think people often almost ignore this issue, and it's really interesting in doing all of this research and kind of like reading the Bible. I did a lot of work in like a commentary Bible, and one of the comments that I saw was, essentially from somebody who spends a lot of time studying the word and he says it's really interesting that society tends to ignore this issue when this is actually one of the most commonly talked about issues in the bible like if you look at all the references to money and greed and envy and possessions and wealth and rich and poor and those kind of things it like stacks up and is so significantly at the top of the list that it's honestly impressive and it's obviously very important in the world that we live in today and so it kind of made me wonder how, like, can I write some sort of statement that almost encapsulates how I, like, deal with my finances? And this was prompted by Claire. She asked if I had one. Uh, I said I didn't really have an official one. So I kind of, like, reached out to my parents because I really respect how they deal with their finances um, from a faith point of view. Like, I reached out to friends and asked them about how they would characterize it and then just did a bunch of reflection and journaling with myself about this whole topic and so kind of where i came out to was what we're calling the financial rule of life and it's really the idea that god should be the only one that's put on the pedestal um he's the only one that you should worship and as long as you're not putting money up there with god then 
you're not doing anything wrong. And so like I'll clarify that by saying we are really just stewards of wealth on earth. So uh, one of the things that I like officially told myself I wrote in my journal uh, to like make it real was if I feel God saying that I should liquidate my assets that I have, whether it's in cars or bikes or skis or any of that equipment or whether it's within investment accounts or retirement accounts like i have to be okay and trust that god has a plan for all of that so that definitely ties into y'all's detachment which i didn't even know that y'all talked about that actually because you haven't released the episode so it just ended up being perfect (laughs) it's almost confirmation that we're kind of on the right track which is good to hear but yeah just trying to figure out how to deal with that statement but also the idea that like i have ambitions and I like have expensive hobbies and trying to make sure that when slash if God asked me to prioritize those values uh, prioritize him take money off the pedestal that I'm like prepared to do that Uh, and so that is kind of like my financial rule of life well and I I think it's cool because then you how now have like a financial north star so like when you're making a decision about your finances and you can kind of look back and check yourself and just be like is this going to you know counter my financial role of life and like if it is then maybe I should make a different decision you know it's kind of nice to have that that check yeah it's an it's a lens to interpret questions but through which Mm -hmm. is really nice yeah and I like the visual of the pedestal too of like as long as God is at the top of the pedestal like and as long as money isn't up there with it, it's okay to have money. It's okay to have ambition. It's okay to strive for all those things as long as those things don't overtake and like become that number one thing. So as we continue to grow in our relationship with God, like that's going to continue to like grow and get mm-hmm. higher and progress. So like our career and stuff can grow with that, you know. So I, I like that visual of being able to see like where is my relationship with God at? Where am I? placing you know my money and like my focus on money and kind of just evaluating like whether or not that is becoming too much of a a focus and a priority yeah and what you were saying Caleb like made me think of this book that I just finished called interior freedom and the book I mean it talks about a lot of different things but it does talk about money and basically just saying that the goal for us should be to get to a place where you know, we could actually have nothing and like still feel free, like still feel loved by God, like still have be so interiorly free that like we're not attached to anything that we have. So he kind of gave some examples of saints who were in concentration camps and such. And uh, there was one saint who like had a quote that was like the people, you know, every she was like, oh, the people, the guards are like the one's not free like I am free kind of because she felt like so comfortable in her relationship with God that she was like they can do anything to me and like you know I accept basically um so I thought that's kind of exactly what you were saying of just whatever God's asking me to do with my money like getting to that place where like I can say yes and accept Mm -hmm. and I love the idea of freedom because I feel like that is one of the biggest drivers for people to chase wealth is they believe that wealth is going to be the ultimate freeing tool Um, and I think that's such a dangerous proposition one of the quotes in this money possessions and eternity book is 
wealth gives us the false idea that we're the bakers uh, and that we don't need the manna. And that's like referring to the manna that was provided to God's people when they were in the desert. Um, and so there's all these ideas of fire, which is, it's called financial independence, retire early. So the whole idea is uh, work to get a bunch of money and then you get to retire early and you kind of have that freedom to do what you want, mm-hmm. which there's good and bad things about that. And like, I know that you recommended the book Garden City, which is all about like how our relationship with work and God and how God views work. Uh, and one of my biggest takeaways was God believes that all of us need to be doing work. Now the type of work that we're doing, he obviously has plans and he would love for us to be doing certain things as opposed to other things but he believes that everybody should be doing work. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole idea of money really making people free is I think one of the biggest things that scares me about how people think about money. Because like there's examples of in the Bible of like Solomon, King Solomon, he had literally the largest fortune that could be described. He had like mm-hmm. all the money on the earth in the world and like tried to fill his time and was arguably what we would say he's he's hit the jackpot he's like free free in the terms that society would say and he like could not fill those desires and so he was chasing every single earthly desire and still was unfulfilled and so most people will run out of money before they run out of desires but we should look to solomon to see like he went after every single desire that he could possibly have and was still unfulfilled Mm -hmm. so um it seems like a futile goal to chase after money as a as a means to like fix your problems yeah 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 i really like that so now let's talk a little bit more about investing because i'm curious to hear kind of your approach to investing like why do you invest first of all and then also like how do you look at investing from the perspective of a person of faith yeah i mean when we first had the call to talk about what we were going to talk about on this podcast i was asking what are we going to talk about what do you want to hear from me how can i add value to this podcast which is just such a consulting thing to say i hate when i say (laughs) how can i add Add value value. (laughs) but uh, one of the questions that the two of these ladies asked me was why do you invest And I was like, that's a phenomenal question. Like I've done it for so long and I've never really asked, why do I invest? It's always been, you invest money because you can generate greater returns through the stock market than you can just having it sit in a bank account. But I was like, okay, let's say I generate phenomenal returns. What am I doing with that money? So I had lots of conversations, like I said, with spiritual mentors, financial advisors, those kind of things, just asking, how do you view your investing? And kind of came to the conclusion that the returns that I generate, as crazy as this is gonna sound, don't matter that much. Um, Like I invest because I enjoy figuring out complex problems and like that's why I went, I studied math, like that stuff brings me joy. And so like I truly invest, like I have a Robinhood account that I put a certain amount of money in every month just because I enjoy investing. I'm interested in learning about companies and technologies that exist. Uh, and it's actually a really great way to support those companies. So if somebody's doing something that I really believe in, like offshore wind farms or something like that, which is essentially like they put a platform out in the middle of the ocean and put some wind turbines on it so they can generate electricity in a sustainable way because the wind rips in the ocean. I was like, dang, that's really cool. I never would have learned about that if I hadn't been investing and stuff like that. So I would invest in that. And really just, I mean, there's a whole conversation of protecting money against inflation and that plays a part in it too. But really, it's truly for my own edification 
not financially, but just honestly, like just interest, education and stuff like that. So that's the biggest reason why I invest. I'd say the second biggest reason is protecting that money uh, in case God wants me to use it later. So um, there's a whole conversation about kind of inflation is eating away against assets. And so you can invest in the stock market to say that the money that you had in 2008 uh, is worth the same amount of groceries as it was in 2008 now. Mm -hmm. So if you're matching inflation, that's theoretically the goal. So that too, the same amount of um, construction to build wells in a third world country uh, that money would have bought in 2008 could be the same as today uh, if I invested it matching or beating inflation. So that's probably the second part of why I invest. I think it's also kind of a cool thing of discipline to put that money aside every month too, you know? So it's like, you, so you're you're taking some of that away from you to spend and like putting it towards something else. I feel like that has a lot of discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then in terms of like more tactically your approach to investing, it sounds like you invest in individual companies or because I know there's there's long-term investing, there's more short-term trading stocks. Like, where do you kind of focus your investing? Yeah, and to be clear, I am not a financial advisor. <laughs> so I want to be very, very clear about that. And I have frequently told my friends who have come to me and asked me for financial advice. I was like, I will tell you all about the instruments that this, like the markets use and tell you all about, I love talking about all of that stuff, but I won't give you individual stock recommendations. Like I won't be your stock picker. I won't tell you when to buy or sell or anything like that. Um, I think especially because money is such a dangerous topic, trying like getting involved with money conversations as tactical as that, where people could be putting tens of thousands of dollars into something that you recommend. Like, I just don't want to get roped up in that. But from a like high level point of view, I'd say the the way that I invest is primarily for the long term. I don't mess around with uh, day trading or anything like that. Uh, occasionally, if I'm really bored, I'll buy some sort of short term trade where I'm expecting that somebody's going to beat earnings or something like that, and a stock's going to go up. But for the most part, I'm usually buying companies that I believe in, or I'm buying just a general industry or sector uh like an etf that is just a weighted composite of a bunch of different stocks and then i buy like i said earlier i buy companies that i believe in so uh claire and i were talking about this before but even if a company isn't expected to be crushing earnings every single year or even if their year-over-year revenue growth isn't going to be double digits and crazy impressive uh one of the reasons that i outlined why i invest earlier is because uh buying stocks is a way of giving capital to companies that they can use to grow or like if it's a faith-based stock like it's kind of they can use that to increase god's um, kingdom here on earth and it's kind of dope because it's giving them money to deploy but also at the same time it's not a donation where you give a donation and you expect zero in return uh there's definitely obviously that is required by god but this is a I'll give you money for you to use and then potentially like I could get returns or even I could get that money back later and in the interim you used it for really good purposes in between so those are my like high level things from just a very day-to-day point of view I'd say if somebody wants to get in started in investing I'd say uh, be very diligent about putting a certain amount of money in, even if it's just $50 every month 
just put that money into like a total market ETF. There's plenty of them out there. So if you just Google exchange traded fund, <laughs> um, it's just a composite of a bunch of different stocks. So like the S&P 500 is the 500 biggest companies in um, North America by market capitalization, which is essentially how much a company's worth. So if you ever see on the news, oh, Apple just is worth more than a trillion dollars, that means that their market capitalization is higher than a trillion dollars, which if we want to, we can talk about how that's calculated. But uh, <laughs> it seems a little bit too tactile. Maybe but, a part two. Yeah. <laughs> um, so being really diligent about being consistent and putting money in, uh, not trying to pick winners every single time. Like just know that over the past uh, 80 years, I don't remember the study, but there's been like right around 20 different recessions. And regardless of that, uh, every like over 10 years, it's usually like somewhere around 18% return. So even though we went through a COVID recession, uh, we had the like PPP and there's a whole bunch of money that like blew up the economy like in a good way. And then like we're kind of, in the middle of a stagnation or recession, depending on who you talk to right now. But like knowing that over a long-term investment time horizon, the stock market goes up. So my three things are invest in uh, ETFs, like a total market, especially as you're learning, just invest in kind of the total market. Number two is be really consistent about putting money in, uh, just set it up to be automatic and you don't even ever have to think about it. And number three is don't check it all the time. Um, know that your time high horizon is long term and you will almost be guaranteed to make money I was just gonna ask that how do you detach yourself from the results because you know you log into your app or whatever it's all red I mean obviously that's like it's not fun to look at I mean how do you detach yourself and you're like whatever happens is fine and like it doesn't affect me like I, you know, I'm, I'm detached from this. Um, I'd say three things, two that are just kind of general and one that I actually do. First of all, know that like this is God's money. So just trust God in that area. Number two is you have a longer term time horizon than the red numbers that show up on your stocks app every single day. Um, you're, you should be looking to invest over a multi-year timeline. Like long-term is not six months. Long-term is like five years. Mm -hmm. And if you're investing in companies that you believe in are solid financially, those will be successful. As far as what I actually do, uh, I set it up to automatically invest in things that I believe in or are going to do well. Um, and then I delete the app. <laughs> so like I really don't even check it. Um, it's not an option because I am the kind of person who like looks at it. It doesn't really affect me because I know how the market and how the economy works but I do check I would find myself checking it fairly often I'm like this isn't healthy it's uh, reaching the point where it's like just being on Instagram or social media and so as I do with all of those apps as well I just delete it <laughs> that's my solution <laughs> I like that then there's no temptation yeah, yeah perfect except I would forget my password when trying to log back in so face ID <laughs> it's a beautiful thing keychain all right and so then maybe for some people who are curious on just kind of how to educate themselves or just resources they can use or things that you started out with um, that you would recommend like specifically apps different news outlets maybe podcasts um, what are some things that you might recommend for people starting out on their financial journey? And by people, I mean me. 
<laughs> All right, Claire, here's some advice just for Claire. Um, I'd say my journey primarily started out with people who I really respected as they, as far as their finances. So like talked a lot with my parents because I really respected how kind of I grew up and I watched them deploy their finances in like a godly way. So absolutely talk to people that you look up to, uh, financial and quote unquote mentors and stuff like that. Uh, as far as educating yourself, there's like millions of hours of videos on YouTube that you can look up about uh, personal finance, stuff like that, investing. I would say as with anything, definitely make sure to vet your sources and make sure that everything that you are watching aligns with your values. So making sure that you're on a long-term timeline, you're not going to be watching day trading videos. That's not going to be valuable to you. Um, if people are giving individual stock recommendations, uh, making sure that those align with your values. But yeah, mostly just a lot of research and then talking to people that you really value their opinion and you've watched them actually live out a, a lifestyle that you are impressed by. Warren Buffett made so much money because he started investing when he was a young teenager with money from a paper route. And he has had an incredibly long investment timeline. And so people will say that his most recent success is attributed to news articles come out that says Warren Buffett is buying Occidental Petroleum and then everybody follows Warren Buffett because he's rich and everybody thinks that he's the Oracle of Omaha, which he is. That's a great nickname. <laughs> but he makes more money in a year from dividends on Coca-Cola stock than the CEO of Coca-Cola does from his salary. And it's an incredibly large amount of money like both of them. The salary is crazy large and then Warren Buffett's number is even bigger. I don't know exactly what it is. But the reason that he owns Coca-Cola is because he loves Coca-Cola, <laughs> like the drinks. He drinks so much of them. If you look at his annual stakeholder things, he's got Coca-Cola, like just, just Cokes. He's just crushing them. Um, he loves Dairy Queen, grill and chill, as some of my friends like to say. And he eats there like multiple times a week. He said, if eating at Dairy Queen shortens my lifespan, okay, I accept that risk. Um, and so he like fundamentally believes so much in each of these companies and he has a really long timeline. And legitimately, if there was a secret to be had for investing, that is it. And Warren Buffett says it all the time. But then people make these videos and they're like, oh, Warren Buffett picked Occidental Petroleum like because of this like market condition and blah, 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 blah. No, it's probably because like, as Warren Buffett is getting on an age, Berkshire Hathaway, which is the holding company that he has, they will hold Occidental Petroleum for a very long time. And they believe in the leadership that they have there. So that is legitimately the secret. And everybody tries to blow it up into Warren Buffett's the greatest stock picker or anything like that. That's not necessarily true. And I think that's like to people who are new to investing, that's kind of one of the scary things about investing is I think people, when they think investing, they think the day trading, the you got to know what to trade when, and really that's not all of investing. Like that's a very small portion of investing. So the more long-term approach is, at least to me, less intimidating. Yeah, but being so young, it's hard for me to think that far ahead. But I mean, it just is. Well, that's part of the, if you're using money that you don't need to be spending, it's like put off to the side. So if you're automatically putting it in your brokerage account, like Robinhood or something like that, that is money for the future. Um, and so you're thinking about like, maybe I'll be able to access that when I'm trying to buy a house or a lot of people will invest for 
um, their kids' college funds. Yeah, what are we saving for? Let's unpack that. That's a great question. That's a personal thing. You'll have to figure it out for yourself. But it could be for buying a house. It could be for a lot of things. Like you can, this is a whole nother episode it could be, (laughs) honestly. How to determine your financial goals or what you're saving for. Because growing up, I was like, oh, I'm saving for college. And then I was like, "Mm, it's college. But I didn't want to like just spend all my money. I don't know. You know what I mean? Well, it's like, and now that we're out of college, I mean, what's the next big thing? Oh, like my wedding or like a house or whatever. Children and children's college and children's houses and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, but how do you even think of but a number? What's, like, a, what's yeah. a number? Like, what am you I saving You can't towards? really put a number on it. Everybody tries to say, oh, you have to have a million dollars by the time you retire. There's no number. Like the number that you have has to be able to sustain you when you're not working anymore. That's all that it is. If you have $70,000, you retire when you're 75, let's say you're gonna live to 82, we're just doing average numbers, then you have to be able to live on $10,000 a year. And if you can do that, that's it. If it takes you $90,000 to live a year, or each year you spend $90,000, you're gonna need $63,000. Way more than that. $6.3 million. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of zeros there. But I think one of the I'm not a math things- major, but I knew that was All right. right. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> That's my friend's favorite joke. I do internal mental math incorrectly, and I'm like, oh, math major. <laughs> but I think the whole conversation about personal finance is one of the largest gaps in the educational system today yeah yeah and i did i mean i did personal research on this for a project in college and literally almost every single person that i interviewed and i interviewed a lot of people were all saying that they got their financial knowledge or habits like from their family and that's great if your family came from a great financial background or that's important to them but if it's not then like what are you supposed to do and you were talking about your family being great financial mentors but like what if someone doesn't have that you know like where do they go and what do they do and there's a lot of resources out there but it can just be a little overwhelming and hard to know what to trust it's something i've thought about a lot from a super tactical point of view there's a website called investopedia uh, that has topics on literally every single financial term situation scenario that you can possibly think of i use it all the time as a refresher or even to learn about a new thing so i love investopedia Um, they also have a pretty cool tool that is a virtual like trading account essentially so you can go in there and you can say hey i want to pick i want to use this you can like give yourself amount of money and then you can buy stocks so um and you can do research on it in there which is really nice, but like I said, you have a longer term time horizon, so you don't really have five to 10 years to test out the stocks that you buy right now um, before you actually buy them. I would just say like, get started now. Um, I use Robinhood just from a like day-to-day trading app. I don't necessarily love Robinhood. Do your research and honestly, you could probably find some pretty dope sign-up benefits. I was very lucky obviously to have a family who was willing to like sit down and coach me through all of this stuff. I was personally interested in it. I had a life skills class in high school that I was able to take and then got the opportunity to go to college and take finance classes. But um, like for the company that we work at, I actually put on a workshop that was um, four part knowledge transfer 
kind of session where one of them was on personal finance, one of them was on insurance and things like that. So it was. Wait, can you send me that? <laughs> no, I didn't see this. I did it for just the for the interns. interns. And oh, for interns. Well, okay. we're as dumb as like we need this help too. <laughs> you can repurpose this for us. <laughs> no, but it's like when people ask me what would be your side hustle, ideal job. I think for me, it would be in specifically underserved communities, having some sort of central location, an actual building where people can come in and say, hey. I don't think that I can feed my kids this month. What financial options are out there? Or I got a bunch of money from the government for COVID. How can I make it so that I can start either investing that or use it responsibly so that I can hopefully like try to start lifting my family out of this situation? Like for me, that would be like dreams. So this is just something that I'm really passionate about. And I think it's something that needs to be talked about more. Mm-hmm. within the family or whether we make it actually part of the education system like if everybody could take a class like this in high school even if it's just like just teach me terminology so that when somebody says oh do you have an ira you're like what is ira it means individual retirement account it like just the fact when you read roth ira that seems super super scary roth is some white dude's last name and ira means individual retirement account it really just means when you're too old to work, you can use this money that has been growing the entire time when you were actually working. They should put that as the name. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of long. So they'd probably come up with an acronym and then everybody would be like, what does this acronym stand for? And they're like, we don't really know. It's some white guy came up with it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, these are all really good. I mean, when we were doing all that research in college, we were trying to th- the education piece and like the not even the education but the desire for education we were like not sure how to fix that and we got stuck there honestly but there's like a lack of desire for wanting to reach out to someone or ask about the acronyms like there's a a lot of people just or fear don't care or it's they're scared about it or they're just like i'm doing fine and like that's good enough for me you know i think there's also a little bit of kick the can down the road when you're in school and stuff like that it's not an issue but i saw this with a lot of people that started at the company at the same time as us where they would come to me and ask how does health insurance work and stuff like that like all of a sudden it became really really real how Mm -hmm. do entire or how do retirement accounts work and stuff like that so obviously it's not real until it's real but there's probably not a desire until you actually have to make some of these decisions. Adulting. That's legitimately what my series was called, was Adulting 101. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Adulting is annoying sometimes. Uh, And also you were mentioning before this that there's like ETFs specifically for faith, or like you could look up any topic basically and find some. Yeah, so an ETF is essentially a company that buys a bunch of stock in certain companies. And so there are some that buy what's called a market weighting of the S&P 500. So like uh, VTI is a great example of that. So Vanguard is an investment company. They buy individually a bunch of shares of all of the top 500 by market cap companies in the US. And then they sell shares in their company. So then by you buying shares essentially in this fund, it's actually not their company, it's in this fund, 
you are getting like partial ownership of a bunch of different stocks, which is really nice. It does the diversification for you. But there are ETFs out there that are based around sectors. So if you want to buy a healthcare sector ETF, you can do that. If you want to buy a financial services sector, you can do that. An industrial a con- construction. But there's also ones specifically for the people who will be listening to this. There are also ones that are value-based. So ESG is kind of going through a moment right now. So if you want to buy solar um, stocks or things like that, there are ETFs that is just a whole bunch of solar stocks. That's the only thing that they have in there. But there's also values as far as like religious values. So you can buy companies that people use their algorithm. And a lot of times they'll put it on the website to buy uh, values-based stocks. And then you would buy uh, a share of those. So like one example that we looked up was uh, Inspire ETF. They have a bunch of different ETFs. One of them is BIBL. If you look up Inspire ETF and then click on BIBL, they give you an example of all of the stocks that they would never buy. So some of them include like weapons and defense contractors that they don't believe in or things related to pornography or things that are like very clearly outside of that. So they automatically cut all of those companies out and then they do a bunch of research on the ones that are left. And so they look to see are they operating in unsustainable ways to the earth or are they operating in ways that is potentially using slave labor or child labor or things like that and they'll cut those out. And so then whatever's left is uh, a big selection of a bunch of companies and then they buy shares in those companies and then you buy a share in that fund and you partially own all of those. So somebody does all the research for you and it's really, really nice. So would definitely recommend looking up like Christian value-based ETFs. If you Google that, uh, do your research obviously, but Inspire ETF on a cursory glance this morning looked pretty impressive. I like that. Yeah, like I didn't even know that was a thing. So I think that's a really cool thing that I'm going to look into as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like that's that's super nice. And uh, just, you know, for our Catholic listeners out there, I mean, I'm this isn't released yet, but when I was at Seek, I met this really great woman who was building this app called the Sanctify app. And I looked it up today, and it's still not available, but you can, like, sign up for, you know, to get notified. And it is supposedly a company that will help you find companies that are in line with Catholic social teaching. So sounds like pretty similar, but it's a Catholic specific resource. So, I mean, I'm definitely wanting to check that out when it is released and, you know, you guys could sign up to just get an email about it too. It's supposed to be released sometime in 2023. So is it like the Catholic version of Robinhood? I don't know if you invest in it or like invest on the platform or if it's more of like a find companies on the platform. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not sure, but is definitely at least like information regards to companies and how they fit in with Catholic social teaching. So it sounds very similar to what Kayla was talking about. All right. Well, as we start to wrap up, maybe one final question, you know, are there any questions that you yourself are still personally wrestling with in terms of your financial rule of life or like what are things right now that are kind of on your mind? Yeah, I think one of them is how do I so say that I accept my financial rule of life, which is I will never put anything up on a pedestal with God, primarily as I'm like very aware of money and where money is on kind of like my hierarchy of values and priorities. Um, Is it bad to want to chase after wealth? Um, 
and and stuff like that so regardless of if god calls me to say hey sell your house sell i wish i had a house i don't have a house um, <laughs> sell some of your possessions donate it sell all your possessions donate it like i will do that let's say that i commit to the doing that which i have but in the interim like while i don't hear god saying sell everything is it bad to chase after something like that and i think there's bible verses like first timothy um six nine says but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into a snare into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction so that sounds pretty traumatic (laughs) um proverbs 28 20 says a faithful person will be richly blessed but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished and so having that conversation with myself about how do i balance um being in a relatively high compensated career how do i balance the ambition that i have with kind of what god's plan is for me and what is very very clearly outlined in some of those bible verses so that's definitely one thing and the other thing is i've always had a little bit of this feeling in my life that i could live very 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 simply like have very very few possessions and so growing up in the church there's always this story um in matthew of the the young rich man who comes to jesus and jesus says or he says, what, is it, what will it take for me to get into the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says, sell everything and follow me. And the young man like kind of drops his head and walks away. That's very clearly an example of the inverse of my financial rule of life where this man like put money and Jesus on a pedestal together. And he was not willing to give up his money and his possessions. And very clearly, like that was a very interesting story and parable in the Bible. But growing up in the church, that story gets told and so i feel like what everybody believes is to be a good christian you have to be poor um and i don't believe that poverty is the same as piety um that was in this money and possessions and eternity thank you randy alcorn appreciate you for that one (laughs) um god used that example as a test for this young man as hey take a good hard look at your priorities in life and obviously god knows where his priorities are um so as as religious as this man might have looked on the outside and then as as strong as his faith life might have been on the inside his relationship with god he clearly wasn't willing to give up his money for that but i like this was a test for this particular young man and i don't think that everybody's called to be a disciple where jesus is like drop your nets and come with me not everybody's called to do that and not everybody's called to be like a general like just congregate in the church like jesus doesn't include at the beginning I guess not Jesus, but like Paul doesn't include at the beginning of every single letter, like y'all have too much money, sell it all. Like clearly that is not in every single one of the New Testament books. So I don't believe that God believes that everybody should be selling all their possessions. So I think that that's something that I've kind of like recently come around on, but I feel like it's a conversation that I have a lot with some of my friends who are in the church who are struggling with that kind of stuff. And so I'll point them to some of these Bible verses and stuff like that. So those are my two things. One that I have worked with God to form an opinion that I feel like is correct and the other that I'm still working with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that the, oh, sell all your possessions and come with me, like that was that person's challenge because that person particularly was struggling with that. And it's like everyone has a different version of that for their own life, you know? So like not everyone's challenge is going to be with money you know but that's just how it can be misinterpreted yeah and in theory potentially if this young man had some sort of uh finance 
rule of life, like maybe the test that God gave him wouldn't have been finance related or money related. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah. obviously money wouldn't be up on that pedestal with God. Something else might be. Yeah. But then when I think of that Bible verse, I'm like, oh, and he went away sad. And I was like, mm, same. Like I wouldn't be sad. So mm-hmm. that's a problem. Gotta go on that financial journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all about stewardship. Um, understanding that God has given us a lot of gifts, both uh, mentally, physically, and um, like situationally. But at the end of it all, like when you die, you're not taking the U-Haul. And it's one of my favorite things. To say. <laughs> um, I love that. Yeah. And in like, it's really God's money. God should be telling you what to do with it. Um, and I think for me, maybe just even evaluating like, clearly my relationship with God isn't strong enough if I think that like following God is going to leave me destitute in some area you know what I mean like that is not going to happen and the litany of trust I think that one always hits there's one of the lines in there and it says like from the like please God alleviate me like from the fear that following you will leave me more destitute and I think that's part of the push and pull with money is it's like when called to do something with your money do I think that saying yes to God is going to leave me without something and clearly if I'm like attached to my money then yes I believe that you know Mm -hmm. Um, because anything that God can provide me is worth way more than anything that I have here on earth but clearly I haven't 100% fully grasped that yet because still having that feeling of if I didn't have money, like I would be without something, you know? Yeah. Just a challenge. I don't know if anyone's feeling the same way, Mm -hmm. but I, yeah, I I reflect on that passage a lot because it's a good gut check for me with how I'm doing with my relationship with my finances and God. All right. Any final words, any, last takeaways thoughts for people encouragement maybe for those who are discouraged right now in their financial journey and are just looking for some hope i always like doing encouragement they were talking about in church today it's sunday but they were talking about in church today that we live in a culture that is so like down on themselves and we don't have enough encouragement going on um so i love the the encouragement idea i think if you haven't invested yet don't beat yourself up about it like it's it's never too late but always like just get started so if you need the bare minimum like step one download Robinhood. step two determine amount of money that you can live without every single month so whether that's i have coffee every single day i can do it every other day or something like that or i have two a days i can do it once a day (laughs) or anything like that he's looking at alice he's looking at me (laughs) uh dedicating that money and you're like all right that's gonna save me 150 dollars a month you can set up automatic (laughs) you can set up automatic deposits into robin hood and that like you won't really ever see that money it's never becomes an option to spend on coffee or anything like that Mm -hmm. um or anything else let's be clear i'm not targeting anybody (laughs) (laughs) might as well be 
but <laughs> clear addict find find what you want to invest in and put that hundred and fifty dollars in every month so if you want to do one of those inspire etfs like bibl was one of the one of ones that i looked at really quickly um i Is really that it's spelling bible it, yeah, yeah that's okay <laughs> you just I got mean, that <laughs> no i got it but i was like is that a coincidence I wasn't sure. <laughs> um, doing $150 a month, like those are your those are your steps. Um, obviously, I'm not telling you to invest in Bible or it's going to be expensive <laughs> or it's going to be valuable or it's going to appreciate or anything like that. But those are your like tactical steps. And then otherwise, like I am a huge proponent of demystifying or I don't know what's the contrapositive to taboo, like detabooing. There's no way that that's a word. <laughs> <laughs> de-tabooing i kind of like that but money or finances is like taboo to talk about yeah like when i came into the company that we currently work at i was very very open i was asking other people i was saying how much are you making and they're like whoa like are you like allowed to ask that question i was like i'm allowed to do whatever i want it's america thank you but like people are so scared to talk about that but i feel like it actually ends up becoming this like repressive system so like absolutely talk about finances with people that you respect their opinions on um and don't be afraid to do that so my encouragement is uh go out there and get started if you feel called to do this right now and talk to people who you respect about their finances like let this start to become a a topic of a conversation maybe add it to the three f's maybe this becomes the fourth f is your finances (laughs) full circle (laughs) <laughs> Wait, finances was one of the F's, though. No, it wasn't one of my F's, though. Yeah, females in finance. <laughs> oh, okay. Or fellas. Gotcha. Depends gotcha. for anybody. But no, the, the final four F's the here final now four. <laughs> are faith, firm, females or fellas, and finances. I like that. I, I love like, that. I like yeah. that now. All right, I love that ending note and the encouragement. Like, I think that's so helpful and yeah i agree too we we all need some more encouragement in our life so um i think that's a good note to end on and yeah thank you so much caleb for coming on the podcast today and for just really sharing your story and your perspective i really hope that this resonated with our audience i know it resonated with us so thank you so much for sharing that today i guess it was worth it flying yeah. all the way out to yeah I, it's worth it i guess <laughs> It's an investment. Yeah. <laughs> Long-term investment. Yeah. Of course. And if anybody knows anybody who works at Inspire ETF, uh, let them know that Corporate Catholic is looking for uh, financial partners. <laughs> they this can was sponsor free. this episode. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Cover our flight expenses. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you all next week. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Corporate Catholic Podcast. Give us a rating and follow us on social media at Corporate Catholic Pod.